I am very happy to announce that Pretty Good Vibrations now has a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Pretty Good Vibrations. I'm going to be doing as many episodes as possible in both an audio and video format uh, for the time being indefinitely. I do a lot of screen sharing. I am making some graphics for the tournament layouts. And of course, you get to see uh, my my mug and my guest's mug reacting to music. There's a whole lot of air drumming that goes on. So if you would like to try the video experience, there's a link in the show notes or youtube.com slash at pretty good vibrations. And you could get it that way if you'd like, or if you want to share it with friends that, you know, don't really listen to podcasts, but do like to have YouTube stuff on, even if it's kind of in the background. So excited. And uh, thanks as thanks as always for all your support, everybody appreciate it. This is the left side. This is the right side. This is part two of my conversation with Aaron Lunsford going through our favorite records that came out in the early 90s that were major label debuts. We talked a little bit about what major labels mean and our own band's uh, dalliance with, flirtation with major labels, never to uh, never to consummate that relationship, um, but our, our various desires and all that. We talked about that in part one and started talking about records and we're going to keep talking about records now. So if you haven't listened to part one, probably better to start there. And again, please share this with friends if you think that they'd like it. And check out the playlist associated with the episode. That link is in the show notes as well as previous episodes. All right. Thanks for listening. All right, Lunsford, what's your number four? Okay. So this is a poser pick. Not even close to something that I listened to when I was younger. Yeah, obviously aware of, but did not come to fully appreciate probably honestly last 10 years. And it's a uh, Pearl Jam 10. It's iconic. It didn't make my list because I just don't I'm not a huge Pearl Jam guy, but I know. But the songs are great. There's still the wallpaper of rock radio today. Yeah. And every Gen Xers brain. <laughs> it just like I just love to the vibes of this record. It sounds like a band playing live. Yeah. I don't know if they still do this, but for a while they were recording all their shows, like, and you could buy the CD after the show. Yeah. To me, this record, the um, the production on it, the aesthetic is like, here's just like a really good band. They're kind of a jam band in a way, but they write really great songs. And I turn it on on Alexa and it fills the room in a way. Huh. I'm excited to think about it fret with fresh ears here. Um, what do you want to hear? So for a deep cut, <laughs> that's the other thing. What is a deep cut on this record? Because you look at it half, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I like the vibe of black. That's like what I like to turn on. I have a sitting in my living room drinking a whiskey yeah. or a beer or whatever, and I just want to fill the room with a vibe. It, uh-huh. It's this track. Here we go. I mean by the live i mean those drums are just like it's like arena setting on a uh mm-hmm. b drums <laughs> or whatever 
their dynamics, they just hold it back. They just kind of keep it back, which was so different than like Nirvana, which yes. was like Nirvana was just like they're a punk band, basically just slower. Yeah. But like Pearl Jam's like in the kind of same genre in a way. They're like yeah. grunge. They're from the same city. It's like they're in that same world, but they're like better musicians. Yeah. Right. Like I said, in the last 10 years, I've just come to appreciate it in such yeah. a different way, even though I always knew, yeah, I like Pearl Jam. They're cool. I don't know. It's a vibe thing for me. At my age now, my life is vibes. I want to, <laughs> when the kids go to bed, I'm looking for a particular vibe. And the way that sonically this record fills my living room when I'm playing it on Alexa, it is just like, yeah, we're fucking, oh, we're just, we're here. I think we're that here. we need a pretty good vibrations t-shirt. The primary graphic of which says, my life is vibes. <laughs> And then a yeah. little pretty good vibrations logo. I think I might need to get that shirt made if you give me permission to do it. Do it. Why? So why does um obviously ten is iconic. It's one of the most important records like yeah. of the genre. I uh, didn't make it to your list. So what is your experience? Yeah, you know, interesting. I I picked up on the drums being very wet, full of reverb. Yeah, but you know what? It read to me less as an arena and more as like. Oh, this is actually kind of the transition out of 80s rock into 90s rock. Mm, okay. That it's a different kind of reverb. This is going to get real nerdy for just 20 seconds. A plate reverb is the type of reverb that is very common in 80s music. And then especially a gated plate reverb where it's like, you know, it just it goes strong and then it cuts off really. That's that 80s drum sound. Yeah. And the verbs that they use then were very gossy. They're very airy. Like if you have your sibilance, you know, your S would go, you know, like that mm -hmm. kind of a reverb. And this is not quite to the 90s more natural in the room sound, but it's not cheeseball 80s reverb it's kind of in between okay and it really just sounded to me like oh they made this in like 1991 before nevermind came out just right on that overlap basically i'm not trying to take away credit from them do you even think like maybe they didn't even know what they wanted it to sound like and it was just like this is just how records sound so it comes out august of 91 three months before nevermind so obviously it's fully, you know, both those records are in the can before either of them comes out probably. Yeah. Nirvana has not reshuffled the landscape yet. They haven't. That hasn't happened. You got the Pixies. You've got some of these indie bands, but like it's just the perfect transitionary record, I guess is a way to say that. It's got just enough Guns N' Roses that the Guns N' Roses fans will dig it, but it's not doing Guns <laughs> yeah. N' Roses anymore. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, you're putting it into perspective for me. I like, think it I took a fucking long time to get to that point. <laughs> no, I mean, but like these, and that's the problem with the only problem with this time period is that these ones that come from those early years of that, like we don't really even know what was happening. We don't have the context. Yeah, we have no context. So ninety five and on, I have a lot of context because I was deep yeah. in. A good way to get some context, by the way, is to watch the decline or the downfall of western civilization the decline i think it's the decline of western civilization part two the metal years this is a penelope spheris film she did three films one two and three 
decline of Western civilization. One and three are about different eras of punk in LA. 80s, like mid 80s, early circle jerks, dead Kennedys. Um, and then 90s, like gutter punks living in on Sunset Strip um, in these like flop houses. And in the middle, she makes a film right at the just silly heights of 80s hair metal, like Poison. Is it Poison? Yeah. A band like Poison is one of the kind of main bands. Motley Crue. Maybe not quite as big. It wasn't quite. It wasn't Motley Crue. They were all sort of following Motley Crue. Anyway, it's, it's not as good as the other. It's not as enjoyable as the other films. But man, it's probably the best thing I've ever seen to give me context for what Nevermind and 10 came into that world. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. People had gotten sick of like you, what did you call it? Of hair metal and 80s metal, like the it's like artifice. It's it's not genuine, right? It's, yeah, it wasn't authentic. It was a show. That's the word. It's like yeah. the circus. Yeah, yeah. You think Van Halen or whatever, yeah. Yeah, Pearl Jam was just like, oh, that's just a dude up there like singing. Yeah. Pearl Jam is to blame for a lot of bad music is the problem. That That's my biggest criticism of them. Okay. To me, Creed, Nickelback, like all that is Pearl, like d- they are directly responsible for it. Pearl Jam ran so they could walk all over our faces <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Every Best Buy we walked into for a decade. It, exactly. So, and, and it's like Eddie Vedder, like he had that style, his vocaling style was unique um yeah it's kind of the peanut butter on the roof of the mouth sort mm-hmm. of approach yeah that we and it makes its perfect exa- it's perfect instantiation in scott stapp of creed it, yes exactly so we have to blame them for that but what are you gonna do like people love a band and then they try to emulate it and they fuck it up yeah that's, that's just what happens yeah. that's just what happens right so um and they did cool shit too. Like they're like fuck Ticketmaster. Yeah. We're gonna like we're gonna do our Very own shows. Principled band. Yeah. Exactly. Very exactly. fan centric. I respect the hell out of them. Yeah. I th- those first three records, Ten Verses and Vitology, I like a lot of stuff on those three records. And then I kind of lose them other than a song here and there afterward when they kind of went more jam band territory. Sure. But what, what more can you ask from a band? You no, want to be 100%. good forever? They have like a the... band has to be good forever. Like you can't <laughs> right, just put right, out right, right. three, like <laughs> you can't put out three great records that are still played on radio today. Like, yeah. W- w- you know, what do you want to do? Like, I like that take. That's a good take. Yeah. What do you expect, man? <laughs> No, like Barry Bonds like had to retire. Right. And it's yeah. like the good thing about music is they don't have to retire. They can still keep like, you know, coming to your town. You can go right. see him. And it's great. Like, I don't know. I, I wish I could go see Elton John on his uh, farewell tour right now. But like the 70s was it for him. Right. Right. That's kind <laughs> like, of it. Yeah. But that was enough. That's enough. It is enough. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your number two is my number three, and your number three is my number two. Oh, okay. So there, they we can talk about either one first. What do you want to talk about first? No, let's, what's your number three? My number three is Green Day Dookie. Fuck yes, dude. We are getting into dude. some serious yes. territory here. Yeah. God, this shit is good. And here's the fun thing. 
Uh, I asked you to write down a couple songs you want to talk about. We picked the same two songs. Are you serious? Serious. Wow. So let's start. Okay. Let's start. Let's start by listening to some of of Dookie, and then we'll keep talking about it. So track one, Burnout. I specifically am queuing up the drum solo section. Count me in. All right. <laughs> which was like really formative as I'm deciding to become a drummer. Here we go. 1994. Hell yeah, dude. All right. Can I call out? I You told me you were going to play it, and I started tapping, Yeah, and I, I nailed the BPM, dude. You I nailed exactly the fucking BPM. how fast it was. I yeah. know how fast that song is, and yeah. it's because this record, this is the... Uh, so I told you that um, 16 Stone was like the first record I felt like I discovered. Yeah. Dookie was the first record that I ever bought that was a rock record. Mm-hmm. So okay. this is... Like coming out of Vince Gill, Coolio, like all that, sh- like Gangsta's Paradise. Yeah, I bought Dookie in a Walmart or something. My parents let me buy it unedited. We had just moved to Arkansas, so it's like January of 1995. So yeah, I bought it and like it was. Oh man, it was everything to me. Like holy shit! It- <laughs> when I talked about being a sixth grader at the new smaller Christian school and feeling like the edgy public school yes yes like i sort of have the image of the dookie album cover projected onto my brain as i think about that topic you know did you used to study it and like look at it like a where's waldo like yeah the the huge (laughs) uh animated you know hand-drawn cover all these little easter eggs all over like i just remember feeling so fucking cool that I like had that record and I listened to it and I was learning to play it on drums, even though I could barely fucking keep up. Yeah. Fast. Just everything was just fast, but right. Weird for a punk band. Cause there was no, uh, punk beat like, yeah, like, the really fast no, one. None yeah. of those beats. It was yeah. all just like fast, like, you know, rock beats. Um, it's more like seventies punk in, in terms of its tempo. Yeah. Not as much 90s punk, but it's definitely punk. There's not another genre that Dookie fits into other than punk or pop punk. Of That's what it not. is. Yeah. Fucking Basket Case, like that video. Just It was on yeah. all day, every day. Just pig on. face masks, day and night on MTV plastered. I Like when I hear that song, I see the video and those vivid colors, mm-hmm. you know, and his and his like original cheap fender stratocaster with bj written on it and all these stickers like it's just seared into my mind as one of my first ideas of what it was to be a cool rocker is like yeah how he looks with that guitar wearing it low low yeah wearing it low all the stickers i was like oh that's coolness right there embodied Sonically, that intro to the do you have the time, just the guitar in him. Incredible. Like, yeah. It just sounded so good. It's the best they've ever been. American Idiot was kind of cool. Like Nimrod, like they had some cool stuff. It is. Yeah. I, I hate when people are like, oh, their first record was the best. Yeah. But well, it's not their first record. It's like their, depending on what you I mean, count, like, it's their, like their third, their record. debut, yeah. their mainstream debut, yeah. like was their, yeah. their best. Um, 
God, I just loved it. I just used to play it in my room, trying to keep up. Longview oh. was the easiest one to play. Exactly. <laughs> it's slow. Do, do, do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other song we both wanted to, to highlight is She, which apparently was not an official single, but these guys were from our backyard. So they're from the East Bay. I'm in the South Bay. They get a lot of radio play in the Bay mm-hmm. Area when you know these years. And She was definitely on the radio. It was like an unofficial fifth single okay. from Dookie. It rips. Can I say When I Come Around is the worst song on that entire record? Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> play that one. It's fine. It's kind of boring. I don't really understand why it was so popular. Uh, Basket Case makes sense. And Welcome to Paradise and Longview makes sense. I mean, Welcome to Paradise is just what a riff. I mean, just listen to this opening riff. <laughs> Elemental, just fists of stone. Yeah. Any, everything you want in a simple rock song, it's there. Just play the beginning of Basket Case. Let's just do it. Okay, let's, let's just, just do it. it. Come on, let's follow our hearts. Do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? Why don't records sound like that anymore? Is it just me? Or do they not sound like that anymore? No. Okay, I knew this was going to come up, and I'm excited that it's coming up. Around 93, 94, in my mind, we reach a pinnacle where we've gotten rid of all the excesses of 80s production, we have made our preamps and our boards and our tape machines like they're high fidelity as analog pieces of equipment. And we've maybe solved some electronics issues that they didn't understand as well in the 60s and 70s. And we've got full EQ spectrum. You Things can be bassy. They aren't just kind of in that mid-range like 70s recordings anymore. But we haven't gone yet to the kind of Pro Tools, line it up perfect, kind of max it out. We're not in the mastering wars yet of maximizing loudness on CDs. It's just that perfect moment. And so some of these records to me sound like I am in the room. It's it's well recorded enough. You know, it's it's not an artifact. Yeah, It's like a space that I can inhabit when I listen to it and they still just rock. Like I'm thinking like tomorrow by silver chair, you know, okay. it just rocks. Like it sounds so good still. I don't know about recording enough. Yeah. I, I just know nothing I've ever made. sounded that good. And I've made some good sounding shit. Yeah. People I've worked with do some really good stuff, but like, what the fuck was that? Like, how did they make that sound like that? So yeah. Yeah. Like if you took that and you said, Hey, I want the intro of the song to sound like green day. Uh, basket case like can it be replicated you can get there you can get pretty close anyway uh with some of the decisions that you would make okay i don't think that people want to they don't they would rather go for blink 182 than go for that sure so what does that say about that decision that they made 
to make it sound like that in 1994. fucking four. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's damn. That's cool. Like, that's just really cool. cool. Like, yeah. Artistic choice. Anyway. All right, Lunsford. What's your number three? This is another poser pick. Oh, it's not a poser pick for me. So maybe let me introduce it because it's my you, number two. Put it, go for it. Because if you're going to don't poser pick, don't pose. Hold, pick hold me. on. It, it's not poser pick. It's later appreciation pick because yeah because their other big record was what got me into them yeah melancholy and the infinite sadness yes let's talk about siamese dream so this is really hitting its peak like it's it's exploding into culture right as i hear heavy rock music i mean literally the day the day at mark's house that i got into rock music I heard at least one track from Siamese Dream on the radio. Probably today, maybe also Disarm or Cherub Rock. The yeah. day I got into rock music. So for me, it is, it's the opposite of what you're saying, right? So if Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and the Pumpkins are the bedrock, it, feel, it feels to me like the Pumpkins are 60% of that bedrock. Yeah, of yeah Just yeah. the very bottom foundation for me. Yeah, I, I feel that. And I can see how I went emo. I can see how I loved emo when I heard that. Some of that's in the pumpkins. It's not really in Nirvana, you know. So it's like I can right. I can sort of see the road, the roads forking off from the pumpkins. It's quite extraordinary when I get my mind around it. Actually, first of all, thank you MTV for. <laughs> I, I mean, they play. It played such a huge part in like introducing me to like good music. Oh yeah, which is which is what I'm saying. Like they used to do that. Like that right. used to be what MTV was for. Yeah, and yeah. so like whenever I call it a poser pick, it's just that like at the age I was at, melancholy and the infinite sadness was like, I mean Jesus, like tonight tonight won the VMA for like best video, yep. like bolo of butterfly wings, like I mean that shit. Was they were the absolute massive. top of pop rock culture. Mid nineties, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Nirvana yeah. was gone, right? Mm-hmm. And like Foo Fighters was starting, and uh, like yeah, Bush was gone. Pearl Jam had already put out all their best records. Yeah, <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins was a big fucking deal. Yeah, when Melancholy came out, and so for me, it's just it ended up being a years later thing, realizing yeah. like how fucking good Siamese Dream is, because um, I didn't know about it when it came out. That would be a fun way actually to hear them because so Gish is cool. It's got you, you hear like recently Rob Harvilla on the band Splain episode said it's like 75% of what the Smashing Pumpkins would become, but it's the same mm-hmm. 75%. It's not, it's not doing a different thing. It's just not fully realized yet, basically. And I think that's right. But Melancholy being third is so much more wide-ranging sonically and instrumentally it's really he's trying to do a, and succeeding frankly in doing a magnum opus oh yeah what was that like a dual record and yeah double yeah. cd which was really unpopular because they were quite expensive and people didn't buy them you know instead of being 14.99 they might be 24.99 like mm-hmm. that's expensive and it still went on to sell i don't know six million copies or something like that but then to find out oh, they have this other record, it's not going to be just a unrealized version of Melancholy trying yeah. to do the harp and all the orchestral stuff. No, no, no. They were just a fucking rock band, and they just laid down 
hot asphalt of fuzzy, beautiful, warm guitars to 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 make your bed. I mean, it's just un. It's so cool to go back and hear that. Then, have you seen their um, the SNL performance that went viral recently? Probably. It, it it was playing that record. It was they were playing uh, Cherub Rock, maybe. Maybe, yeah. It was just so like offensive in a way, like to what a band on SNL should be. Mm. You know what I mean? Like just loud. No click track, like changing yeah. tempos. I did see that he's going, they're going like pretty, like 5% faster by the end of the song, like pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. Billy Corgan sounds weird as fuck. Like, you, it doesn't make sense why. What do you, like, even like, all right, Nirvana feels edgy. Pearl Jam, like, oh, that's a different type of voice. Billy Corgan, like, kind of fucking annoying. He's got a weird voice, yeah. Like, it's an annoying voice. It is sometimes effective. It's not really ever pleasant. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, the fact, like, how does a band like that get that big? I don't know. The songs just fucking rip. Yeah. Jimmy Chamberlain, I'd want to think about it more, but he might be my all-time number one favorite rock drummer. I think he's the best one. I think he's the most talented rock drummer. I think he's better than Grohl. Matt Chamberlain of Soundgarden and now Pearl Jam. He's up there for that era. Lars Ulrich. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Well, he's always got got his foot going on his hi-hat, even when he's playing Ride or Crash. Again, sorry, in the weeds for drummers. But you get it's like this metronome added in, but it's not a perfect metronome. It's a person keeping it along with their own time and tempo. And that has a propulsive effect. Uh, Cherub rock, which is what we're going to hear first. You can hear it. You know, if you're not a drummer, you don't know what drums sound like. You might not be able to pick it up, but uh, he's playing a cymbal. It's, it's riding out, it's crashing out. And then there's also a that's giving propulsion to everything as it moves forward. It adds a little energy. Oh my gosh, just like yeah. marching marching into victorious battle. I yeah, I don't think people understand that the hi-hat thing you're talking about. I know I know what you're referring to. Obviously, yeah. I'm a drummer. It's not like it's difficult, but it's I don't know, it's hard. Does that make sense? It's hard. Like, I never could I never figured out how to really do it. it. It's like hard. It's it's a different groove you have to be in. You're like, all right, I got to be in a groove with my left foot here and still have everything else work and do all the in-between shit. Um, I got pretty good at it eventually and started it, implementing it more because it's really effective. Like, yeah, I love hearing a hi-hat when you think, oh, I shouldn't be hearing a hi-hat. He's playing the ride right now. Why am I hearing that hi-hat? You love but no, it. He's, he's playing the fucking hi-hat with his foot. With his foot. That's why it's there. It's so the cool. fucking foot pedal is there for the hi-hat. Yeah. We got to get off of Hi-Hat Island here, though, for the non-drummers. So I'm not going to play Today or Disarm or Mayonnaise. Those songs all absolutely slay. I'm going to play Geek USA because this track, I just love the fast tempo. It's it's basically a suite. It has like three or four distinct parts, changes tempo. You get this fast riffage and then straight into this like super... soft gauzy 
dream pop, like shoegaze breakdown and they can just go back and forth and it all works. I think this song is, it's surprising that it hangs together when you realize how disparate the parts are. I'll just, let's, we'll hear it. It'll make more sense after we hear it. Here's Geek USA. is like a smooth soul groove almost like that is yeah and it works and it shouldn't work where do they like where do you pull that shit from like where probably like my buddy my bloody valentine and other shoegaze bands that's what they were really into uh, when they were writing this record when do you realize that you're billy corgan when do you realize like oh i have the greatest rock drummer the next 20 years in my band seriously I, I'm sorry to come back to drums, but like, I just, I need to stress that. Like people think Dave Grohl and I'm telling you, it's not Dave Grohl. It's this guy. Hold on. What are you, what are you telling me right now? <laughs> I'm telling you as in the people out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. He's a better drummer. He, I, he is my favorite rock drummer. I'm saying it. I, I'm going on the record. I'm with you. I'm throwing caution to the wind. Okay. The critics be damned, Lunsford. I'm, 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 think, I'm planning my I don't think the critics flag. disagree. I, that's what I'm saying. I think this is like, I feel like it's like a non-mainstream opinion that is like 100% validated. Yeah. To me, it's almost like if for some reason people didn't know Scorsese was good at directing movies. Right. That's right. what it feels like to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. De Niro is pretty good, but I mean, yeah, it's probably why the movie's good because Billy Corgan wrote this song (laughs) no fantastic Siamese dream you will be in my life forever I I, I cannot imagine my life without that record and I I never have to that's the good news I don't have to be without it okay we are down to we have the same number one Aaron not surprised not and not even like because I like whatever I know about you like it to me it's just obvious for any person that cares about music or likes good music, that this would be it. And before we even do it, it's not even their best record, which is wild to me. It's it's not their best record. Wow. And in my I'm I go back. I mean, it might be. I go back and forth, but we're. I don't think it is. And nobody, t- just in my opinion, everybody else on this list probably their best record, probably. And this one to me is definitively not even this band's best record, but it is number one on this fucking list for me. So. Weezer, the blue album, this record, it's a completely unique, unrepeatable musical moment. Like Pinkerton, the next record, go deeper into the personal issues, the self-loathing, the anxiety leans less on the Rick Ocasek pop stuff. And then the green album in the back after the backlash of Pinkerton leaves almost all the vulnerability behind yeah. And Rivers starts employing spreadsheets and and like hires Rick Ocasek and they go all in on the pop angle. And that's basically what they've done with a few exceptions for 20 years now, starting with the Green Album. But the Blue Album, all those pieces are in perfect 
ratios with each other. They are the yin-yang symbol, right? Like the perfect balance between everything. And then add to that, this album hits me at the absolute perfect time. Spring 1994, I'm 10 years old. I'm in fifth grade. I just got into rock three months ago, maybe, when this hits the airwaves. And in comes a unicorn. You'll like this. The first time I heard Weezer was at a church camp. I do like that. They would do these camps, and it was like there would be a pool there, and they had bunkhouses and stuff. And it was like where they would do revivals and stuff. And I can't okay. remember. There was a word for it, and I can't remember what the word was for it was. But it was this type of place you went. But, you know, the kids would go, you know. And I, I went one summer. I hated every second of it. I had so much anxiety the entire time. All the other kids were assholes, like bullied, whatever. But some kid had, um, they had Blue Album on a tape, and we would listen to it at night. Oh. In the bunkhouse. Like oh, the- my gosh. What a memory. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That memory just came to me just now. It You talking about it, I swear to God, I haven't thought about this it since then. And wow. I'm just now remembering it. But I remember we listened to the sweater song over and over and over and over because it was just such a bizarre, like, sweater song. Like, what is this? Like, why is he singing about a sweater? Like, I, I don't even get this. But yeah, church camp. Not this is before Dookie. This I was still living in Georgia. Like, this was my first real exposure to anything like this. Um, and it would be later when Windows 95 came out that I would go full blown like Weezer fucks hard. So <laughs> should we explain that to yeah, everybody? Didn't, it, didn't Windows 95, it came with the Buddy Holly music video. It came right? with the Buddy Holly music video up on your computer. Like on your desktop so, or whatever. Yeah. My my dad, you know, he was a federal agent for the Treasury Department. Because of his job, he always had computers early on because right. government Working had computers. Government. Yeah. And so like a laptop I saw very young and then we, he just kind of kept up with stuff. So Windows 95, like we had that day one when it yeah. came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so after he went to bed, he's like, all right, you can get on the computer now um, and, and mess around and see what's on here. And it had that Buddy Holly video on there. And yeah. I was like, what is this? Like, wait, I know Weezer because I heard that sweater song. But why was the Buddy Holly video on the Windows 95? Who at their record label, like, got that? <laughs> like, explain yeah. to me what that was culturally because I still don't even know. I haven't done the research. Does everybody know what Windows 95 is and how big of a <laughs> deal it was? <laughs> like it was bigger than the iPhone. It, it literally what like it was such a big deal because yeah. it was the first time to not have to do DOS. There is nothing on Wikipedia about the Windows 95 release and yet as soon as you started talking about it I remembered which like I knew which video it was. I definitely had that. Yeah. Buddy Holly is I think when I really got it like I'm sure I heard the sweater song on rock radio. But Buddy Holly, there's the Beach Boys, and then there's rock music. And this might have been the first time the two really met. Yeah. Adding those distorted guitars to essentially a Beach Boys surfing pop song or whatever it is. I think that just like short-circuited my identity. I mean, It's it's the best song I've ever heard. The best song you've (laughs) ever heard. 
for the context and how I discovered it hmm. and how I still feel about it now. Like, look, I love the Beach Boys. I love the Beatles. Fuck, I, yeah, Pet Sounds. Holy shit. Like, crazy shit happening there. But for my context and my what I grew up with and what appealed to me yeah. and liking guitars that are distorted and liking drums that are loud and not like, yeah. I don't know, Beach Boys and Beatles drums were like a it felt like you were playing in a high school band or like <laughs> it wasn't like a it wasn't like a beat yeah. like it was yeah. it wasn't always like a beat it was like some stuff happening the recording uh, technology just changed a lot in those yeah. 27 years or whatever yeah and so Weezer sounded like grunge meets punk meets pop punk meets emo meets the Beatles and the Beach Boys and Buddy Holly might be the best song I've ever heard. Like, that's just how I feel in the context of my life. So. Sounds like shit, too. That's the other thing. Every other record we've been talking about, we've been talking about how good Dookie sounded, Siamese Dream, 10, never mind. But, like, yeah. this record sounds like shit. No, I do in not. In a way. It, in a way. It sounds like shit. I, I, it's a creative choice, but it does not sound like a quarter million dollar record. Well, it's it's more like the the Cars type approach. It's drier. Yeah. The drums are not super boomy, but you've got those thick, fuzzy guitars sort of underlying it and doing well, something. And really I know the Cars guy produced it. Yeah. But I've heard, I read the interviews with Weezer. They hated how this record sounded. They thought huh. it sounded like shit, which is why Pinkerton sounds like rock and roll drums. Like, interesting. So I, I, I remember reading that. I mean, I like the way Pinkerton sounds. The drums are too wet, though. Like, I wouldn't let that go as a mixer. I wouldn't oh, let man, that pass. I love it. It's fun. Drum bias. Drum bias. <laughs> like, Pinkerton is like my, like, Pinkerton and uh, Control, Page of the Line are like, oh, let me play drums on those records. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Like, put me at the front. Thank you. We got to hear one more song from this record. What do you want to hear? They're all hits. That's the problem. Yeah. My name is Jonas. Yeah, dude. Let's do it. Track one. Ugh. The fresh out of How do you think other bands felt whenever this record came out? Like, do you think they're like, whoa, this is fresh? Like, this is not what's really happening right now? Because it, to me, it, it was not what was happening back then. Like, I think it was undeniable. I think that it was like, once somebody recorded that album, it would take over its little corner of the world. Yeah. I mean, don't people call them the godfathers of emo? Isn't that like a... Some people say that about Pinkerton. I mean, emo had already started, though, in like 1985 in D.C. So I, it doesn't really make sense chronologically. Yeah. But they do influence a bunch of the late 90s, early aughts 
emo bands for sure. I was trying to think about the production quality this time after you said that. And I realized that like, (laughs) I like don't have authorization to comment on the production quality of the blue album. Like it is just in my, it's in the fabric of me. It's like not available for public comment. But I wouldn't change it. Sorry, I want to be clear. I wouldn't change it. Sure. But I just mean, I don't even think that I can tell. It's it's not whether or not this album is produced well. It's whether all other albums can reach me the way this album can reach me. And their production and their approach is judged on the merits of the Blue Album autobiographically, right? Like, I don't have a choice in that. And it's so interesting. I was like, I can't tell if it's good. I don't know. I guess I'm happy that we both had it number one. It's like a consensus. Yeah. I I, I guess I'm like surprised that we had such a similar life experience (laughs) in a way. Now we're podcasting about music at the same time. We're starting our shows. Lunsford, are we, are we tied in the stars in, in some way? We both listen to the big picture. We're both trying to, you're basically, I, I've called you, uh, so I used to call you Walmart brand Ezra Klein, and now you're just Walmart brand Sean Fennessy. <laughs> you refer to me as Walmart brand Ezra Klein? I've, I've told you that before. It's a joke. I, I love it. It's a joke. I, it's I mean, super funny. Is When you say Walmart brand, you just mean like the Kroger brand or Safeway the le- brand. The lesser okay. version, lesser yeah. You know, you're behind generic, the generic brand. You're probably not ever going to be Ezra or Sean. Yeah. If we're being honest. Yeah, it's true. I I wish I wish you the best. (laughs) I I think you're definitely right. Yeah. What what I'm saying is, is that uh, we're both ending up at Weezer Blue Album number one. Yeah. And we're, we're different in a lot of ways. So maybe that's just a testament to that record. Yeah. Um, we also had four of four out of the six were in our top, our top yeah. six, right? Yeah. That were a lot the same. Of overlap. Yeah. But also, that's just like, what are you gonna do? Like, definitively, those are just the best. So it's like, yeah, what else? What else would there be? So that's actually a perfect segue into what I wanted to do last, which is honorable mentions. So these are albums that didn't make our top six. I've just got one. I think you've got a few. Mine is Stone Temple Pilots Core. Not my favorite STP record, but I will say that Plush is among my favorite Stone Temple Pilots songs. This song rips. It's a great riff, and then it's a great chorus, which is completely unrelated to the riff. Yeah. You know? It's just got a bunch of cool stuff going on. They're one of those bands that where it's like, like Interstate Love Song is one of oh, my go-to karaoke great. songs. Like, it's just yeah. so good. Yeah. When I think of, like, albums, right? Like, everything we talked about, I'm like, those are fucking albums, like, records that I, yeah. like, fuck with. And Stone Temple <laughs> Pilots, like, I just couldn't, like, be honest with my, like, I love them. 
Yeah, but there's not one Stone Temple Pilots record that you would just listen to the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't have exactly. any of those. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I did a uh, when I was driving Uber in Nashville, I drove Scott Weiland uh oh. not long before he died. Like that's sad. Weeks. Weeks or months before he died. Wow. I'm not a big nine inch nails fan, but if you are, the downward spiral is like, you know, among the records ever made, I think. Yeah, I don't care about Nine Inch Nails like at all, but well, but we should. Uh, it's they're worth shouting out. I, I feel the shout out. Yeah. Um, what do you got? Well, so all my <laughs> all my honorable mentions pretty much could be defined as soft rock. Okay. And <laughs> and that's the weird thing about like that era. Like there was the the grunge and yeah. stuff like that, but like alt rock was also this kind of like kind of chill thing, like in a way. You have bands coming out of like the more the Smiths Cure lineage, mm-hmm. and to me, like these honorable mentions and the reason they can't go in full albums, like because it is, I just their singles were so good. But yeah. like Cranberries, everybody else is doing it. Why don't we? Why yeah, can't we? That record, yeah. She, I don't know about the whole record, but, but Linger and Dreams, yeah, yeah, for like, sure. Oh man, you watch You've Got Mail. And that song comes on whenever Tom Hanks is talking about New York in the fall and oh. like I go online and my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You got mail. I hear nothing, not even a sound on the streets of New York. Just the beat of my own heart. I have mail. Who had that on their bingo card that uh, around the beginning of the third hour of Dan and Aaron talking about dude rock that a you cry at this scene and you've got male comment would would find its way onto the show? I'm a uh, what do you call it? A paradox. I exist. It's a paradox. (laughs) (laughs) You, Aaron Lunsford, are an enigma. And then I w- that was the other thing I was going to say is an, an enigma. Yeah, for sure. Alan Turing could not figure me out. Um, <laughs> right, so what, I'm smart. So, I know history. Okay. I know who fucking people are. Uh, <laughs> Counting Crows, August and everything after. To me, that's alt rock. And it's like, but it's outside of what everything we've been talking about. Oh, but my again, gosh. I think that I just dropped the ball. If I had realized that, yeah, there are, I guess I thought maybe they're not a rock Band. I think they're alt rock. To me, they're college alt rock. They're college alt rock. You're right. They are. And ooh, okay. Where would they go? On my list, if I had remembered <laughs> to include them, it would be before Nevermind. It'd either be three or four on my list. I almost included them, but I didn't because I don't know enough about the entire album to really speak to it in a way. But just again, based off their singles, like Round Here vibes man holy shit the vibes so we came from nashville with a suitcase in her hand she says she'd like to meet a boy who looks like elves and she walks along the edge of where the ocean meets the land just like she's walking on a wire good pick <laughs> hootie and the bluefish okay let's uh, move on Come okay. on, keep going. Okay, crash <laughs> review. <laughs> but th- all right, so this is what I was talking about. If I was draft or er, not drafting, if I was picking off yeah. Aaron in 1995, yeah. 1995, Booty and the Blowfish yeah. crash review would have been on that list. 
And then the other one I had, uh, the other two I had, Temple of the Dog, just because that one song fought so hard. Yeah, it's a great um, song. I, that one song, I think, is the best song of that style for the era. I don't mind stealing bread from the miles of decadence. Yeah, that is like the best Pearl Jam song. And he had Cornell on it, too. Real Pearl Jam fans are going to hate me no, for saying yeah. that. Uh, and then I don't know if it counts as alt rock, but a couple lists I was looking at had it on as a rock record was Jeff Buckley Grace, but I don't really think it's. Mm. I never got into Jeff Buckley. That's a cool way to Cause, end the cause episode. Because you hate music. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cool. Uh, Aaron, this was very, very fun, man. We did. I think we did a pretty good job with it, too. Yeah, but you never got you never got down to why I hate nostalgia. <laughs> you know? I never saw an opening. Do you want to try and address that right now? No, if you want to chat after, we can. Maybe that's better off, Mike. Go find the music draft wherever you listen to podcasts, unless it has (laughs) been renamed by the time this airs. (laughs) Well, it doesn't have its own feed yet. But it it will by the time this comes out, I think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The music draft. And you can also be heard on the It's All Over pod, formerly Christian. Occasionally. Yep. We're fucking around over there. Having some fun. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.